Hey y'all, I think you're gonna like this conversation. I caught up with our guest as he was going through a change in his life. Just getting out of a thruple, trying to move forward in his career, and really in the midst of figuring out what'll set his life up for long-term happiness, satisfaction, and fulfillment. And I think that a lot of the queer community is in this same space, the same place. And the process of trying to break through and get to where you want to be makes for a conversation that I think you'll really enjoy. Later, if you want to discuss this conversation with others, please go to patreon.com slash bottomlesscoffee and become a free or paid member. Hey everybody, welcome to Bottomless Coffee Podcast. I am all verklempt. This is our very first live in-person podcast as distinct, as distinct from the show. We're with Simon Gettle today. Hi, hello everyone, how are you? I was really tempted to have a Jinx Monsoon moment. Like, where, which one's my camera? Which one? <laughs> Is Sandwich. <laughs> Amazing. Well, you did a great job on the setup, people. You can't see it, yeah. but whew, a lot of work. It only took an hour and a half. Did I help at all? <laughs> eh. Color commentary is very helpful. <laughs> That's right. So um, we're going to be talking about gay stuff today. Surprise. Um, but it's been really weird because the Twin Cities Quorum, which is like the gay chamber of commerce, asked me to give like a speech for National Coming Out Day. Wow. It was really nice. It was really sweet. Amazing. Um, and then the next week, this organization P Fund asked me to speak to like young gay scholars. And I was like, OK, at this point, people are like talking about me yes. behind my back. It's all good things. Like, I'm the person who should come and talk about being gay. And I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know everything. Right. I know a lot of stuff, but not everything. Because our experience is, like, really varied. I feel like, um, like, I like to use queer as kind of an all-encompassing term. Yeah. Because, like, the L, G, the B, the T, the 2, I, A, plus... Like, it's all different. Like, every letter or number has a different, or symbol, what the fuck? Everyone has a different, like, perspective. And it can be equal parts liberating, but also a little bit of a box. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and you're going to talk a little bit about that today. Well, we might, yeah. We're going to talk about relationships. Yes. Yes. Um, and you've recently had some relationship drama. This is not a tea episode. Yeah, no, this isn't reality, reality or whatever that account is. <laughs> no. Oh, so yeah, I've been, um, I mean, I'm a pretty open person when it comes to like expression of love and what that looks like and what forms relationships can take. Like I, um, I don't love a label I, for the part that it tells me okay, this is what that should be, and this is how it should operate. So I recently just got out of a thruple situation, which, by the way, was not on my bingo card. It wasn't, wasn't really on my radar. It just kind of naturally, organically happened, and the parties involved were, like, on the same page. And, you know, you believe people, and you trust, and you try. Well, sometimes relationships... And I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Of course. On. But um, was this your first relationship? No, I think I've, I've dated now three people seriously, like as an out uh, queer adult. Okay. And learn something new every time. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, like so much of our experience as queer men in particular is like based around dating. It's based around sex. Yeah. Sometimes based around like long-term relationships, but some in a lot of cases, more often it's not. They're like shorter relationships, mm -hmm. um, and again, that's like everyone's different experience. Like I complain, I've complained to you, dear audience, about my husband many times, <laughs> <laughs> my long-time husband. But before him, I was in a series of small relationships, some good, some bad, some toxic, some healthy, um, and I as a queer of a certain age, had no plans on getting married. Oh. I had no, no, no. My, um, my vision when I was in like my 20s was like, you know, a, a small harem. <laughs> like I just said. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Have you ever seen Insecure? Yes. Where they talk about the hotation. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and so, Very you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, if I want to go see a movie, this is who I'll call. If I want to get dinner, this is who I'll call. And that's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's valid. Well, I do occasionally miss it, but then it's no longer available. Now it's the same person that I call for every single That's true. Day. Different strokes, you know? Well, what was your dating experience like leading up to this last one? Well, I think my first relationship was like pretty typical. Like, you get into it, you don't really know what you're doing. You let some things slide that you probably shouldn't, and there's just so much learning in that first relationship. That's what I'll say about that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lasted about eight months, but it felt like, you know, five years. Oh, okay. One of those. Um, dated a very nice young man in the city, Antonio. Hi, how are you? We're still really good friends. Um, and I think I kind of learned that I have a little bit of difficulty living with a partner. Oh, okay. I don't know if it's for me. And that was further uh, affirmed with my last relationship, sure. I think. Yeah, so it really just, uh, oh, that relationship really made me think, you know, what is it I want? And what are my ideals and my values in life, in sex, spiritually, all that stuff? Yeah. Um, Do you feel like you were kind of, like, I don't know your, your coming out story, but do you feel like you were kind of led into immediately dating men and it being like, okay, the goal, like, I'm, I'm Simon, I've come out, and now I'm supposed to date uh, one person, one, one right. man, right. For, and that ideally we'll get married or whatever, and that'll be that. Yeah, so coming out, I came out as gay when I was 17, and I thought of sex as like purely penetrative. So in that sense, I was like, yeah, I'm, I, pretty much just want that with men. You know, in more recent, like literally months, I, I've been like, oh, I don't know if that is really accurate for me because there are situations that I could see myself exploring with people who aren't men and I would be into it. I don't know if penetration is part of that, but there are other things like eroticism can take many, many, many forms. Um, and when you say, not men. Yeah. Like again, we've got a lot of letters. A lot of letters. A lot of letters. So you do, you just mean like exploring outside of the G. Yeah, absolutely. Picture like you know Trinity from the Matrix. Yes. Think of that that hard edged like but femme. Like tie me up and we'll see what happens. Okay. I could I'd be into exploring that. Why not? Uh, and does it matter if you as long as you're getting tied up? Does it not matter which letter or? Is it I think it's all about the, like, the dynamic, Yeah, you know? Sure, it could happen. Okay. Yeah, why not? Um, do you feel like you were encouraged to explore as a young 17-year-old Simon? Like, encouraged to explore at all? Ooh. Um, by myself, yes. I think at that point, I had a very good inkling in terms of, like, what I was looking for at the time. I knew I wasn't looking for anything serious, but... I was ready to just explore my sexuality at that point. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of always been, you know, my baseline is like, I, life is very short. Yes. And it is very difficult for a lot of people. And sex and eroticism, love, whatever, feels can feel really good with the right person or people, yeah, right? <laughs> so like, why if a situation gives you pleasure, is consensual, is all these things, why would you deny yourself that? Yeah. Kind of along those lines and exploring like what it means to be queer and relationships and like, like do you feel like you have to, like is the intersection of queer and a relationship with someone, like who you love, is that like a necessary intersection for being queer, you know? Because there, there are yeah. like asexuals yeah, you know? yeah. And maybe it's not sex, but like connection. Well, so for 17-year-old Simon, it was penetrative. Absolutely. And, but do you know where that definition like came to you from? No. Okay, me neither. I, do, I, don't, I don't think either. so. <laughs> I think that was just like from the scope 
that I had at that point. I was like, well, obviously you go down this route. So I, I need to figure it out. <laughs> I, um, whenever we're talking about like anti-racism or something, I'm like, I bet it's white supremacy. And so now I'm like, I bet it's heteronormativity. And Probably. Like, I mean, of the virgin woman or Absolutely, yeah. 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 yeah, and I think too, like obviously straight people go through that where they're like, okay, I have to find someone, I have to get married, I have to have children. Yeah. And I think too, like, Probably some gay people, I think, legitimately want to parent, want to have kids, want to get married, truly. And they're yeah. great at it. It's great for them. And I do think there are some gay people that see that as a, well, I think I should want this mm. because that's what's been that's modeled. True. And really, it's just a hot mess of a situation for them. But not, you know, you live and you learn. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think... Um, uh, Another intersection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a. I don't. I don't know if I. I don't want to slut shame. Like I used to slut shame freely in a. It's okay. In an endearing kind of. Way. We live in a slut shaming society. You we have do. to unlearn it. We do. Yeah. But I feel like there. When I was coming up, there was a period of every queer man's life in particular. I would say even gay man's life, mm -hmm. where they had like a slutty period. Like I yeah. come out, and now I am going to have sex. A lot. <laughs> yeah, mine started at 17 and it's still going. Okay. <laughs> Woo! And I love it. <laughs> so it's not a phase? Not for me. Not for you. No, I, and I, I think, you know, the idea of a slut phase just for me personally is like, I don't know, it's just kind of like an intrinsic part of who I am. Like, I, I do kind of see myself as, not to like make it an importance thing or whatever, but I do see myself as like someone who kind of knows what they're doing and yeah. has a lot to offer. And like, I like being a sexual vessel for people to explore things. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love when someone tries something new and they're like, oh, I really like that. Yeah. Then, yeah. Okay. There you go. Whoops. Just I ask my like ex. I really opened up his whole. Whole world. <laughs> 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 I think we're past the point of monetization. So yeah. <laughs> Period. Sorry. <laughs> Send me the bill. <laughs> That's great. Well, okay then. If, if, and it kind of sounds like like either sex or not having sex is kind of an important part of like the queer identity. Yeah. Um, but that's not like the entirety of our relationship. No, no. And this is kind of a thing that bothers me as like a queer in media, you know? It's mm -hmm. like I'm watching TV and I'm watching the... You know, the, usually the gay guy shows up and it's like, oh, okay, who is he going to flirt with? Who is he going to hit on or whatever? So when true. in my reality, there's there's a dynamic of family. There's a dynamic of friends. There's a dynamic mm -hmm. of, like, the mentor. So when you're talking about, like, people exploring things or whatever, I'm like, oh, you're like, you'd be like a sex mentor. <laughs> sure, yeah, But there sure. are other types of mentorships Absolutely. as well. <laughs> and especially in media, I think, you know, there's levels at which the general population can process people and their experiences. And we're still pretty early. Yeah. Like we've made a lot of progress in terms of gays and media and how they're portrayed. But in the grand scheme of things, I still think it's pretty early. So they're like, we're opening it up. Opening there, up. there are more experiences being shown, but there's still a long way to go. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of relationships with family, <laughs> what is your relationship with your family like? a good question. So I'm the youngest of five. Oh my gosh. I have four older sisters. So Shocker. So your parents also <laughs> enjoyed some things. Well, they're Catholic. Oh, okay. There you go. Okay. So, not so I think it's less about enjoying the sex and just like we have to procreate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that definitely played a part in my experience growing up. And I wouldn't be shocked if there's like a genetic trait that makes you more inclined to be a believer or not. Because sure. I just never had that in the church. The, from as long as I can remember, I always remember being a little like, mm, seems a little fishy to me. Yeah. This isn't all adding up. So even before 17? Oh God, way before that. Okay. Truly way before that. But um, with that, I think with that kind of environment, it's a lot of image-based you know, I've everything. And it's a lot of how you are perceived by people. And mm. um, so growing up, there was always a big emphasis on academics without a lot of context 
as for why, apart from you get good grades, you get a job in a field, and you're successful from there. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, these days that doesn't always work. College is very expensive. Um, it did like mostly end up working for me. I, I have a, I'm a blessed life. I have a, <laughs> I have a stable job in this economy. I yeah. make more than the average person. Do I love my job? Eh. But you I know, I talked about this a little bit on here because mm-hmm. um, I really want like bottomless coffee to like lift people up and yeah. platform people. Mm-hmm. But you almost have to have achieved a certain level of success to even be like willing and comfortable to talk about your life and your experiences oh God, yeah. and to like dwell on your past and yeah. then, like, share it with everyone. I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah. yeah, it's been like it's not like frustrating necessarily, but. Uh, I have to find different ways of like cultivating uh, a, a group of people, a generation of people, I don't know, people yeah, um, yeah. who are able to come up and then t- share their stories. That's so interesting. Now, we were talking about relationships with family, friends, and whomever, um, and you brought up the church, and it really kind of opened up the question to me because I think what I'm really cur- curious about is that intersection between queerness and societal perception. Mm-hmm. And you can tell the coffee's hitting. <laughs> <laughs> we love that. We love that. And uh, and I feel like that's that feels like a really necessary intersection, maybe even more so than sex. So I feel like sex is involved, mm-hmm. um, but the way people perceive you, yeah. and by people I mean people who are not LGBTQI plus, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they exist. <laughs> They do, they do, and wow, that's shocking. Okay, now I've, we went broad. Yeah, let's go narrow okay. into friends. Because one thing I've noticed is that I don't hang out with a lot of straight people. Let's talk about that. <laughs> this is a very this is something that should be studied more. Yeah. I think you're so right. So I'm 31. I didn't really have a significant group of gay friends until I was probably 25, 26. Hmm. Shout out Aaron Minkema. He brought me into the gay kickball world. Oh, he's such a connector. Such a, He cannot help himself. Yeah. Um, but before that, I was mostly, yeah, like straight guys. I grew up playing soccer. I'm very comfortable like being the gay one in that group. Oh, sure. um, again, like why do I need to be the one who explains an experience to people? I don't know, but I do. Love like it. I just do that. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, 26 comes. Oh, and... My straight girls love you. You helped me a lot through high school and college. Don't forget your straight girlfriends. <laughs> um, but once I hit 26, came into the gay community here a little more, I really did a hard switch. I think I realized like I spent so much of my upbringing in my outness explaining that like gay is okay mm. to straight people. And I don't want to do that for a while. I just want to live it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's legit. It's a lot less stressful to be in a group of people where they just understand the references. Um, it feels like a lot less pressure. Yeah. But more it, in common. Yeah. But I, I do notice a lot of, you know, queer people my age, younger, older, otherwise, you know, like v- not as much gay friends. Yeah. Very comfortable in a like oh, straight not environment. As many gay friends. Yes, oh. you see the opposite. And it's very fascinating to me. I like first I'm gonna lean over here because your shirt okay. flipped. It's okay. Oh, my there shirt you go. Flipped. Um I love that because I feel as though at least in the past there was a real concern about queer loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um and again that's vis a vis that the way society looks at us and relationships and relationship with your church, family, whomever. Um, and there are just so many more straight people. <laughs> True. Well, allegedly. allegedly. I think there are more Count than... them. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, okay, okay. I don't mean... We can get into the definition of straight or whatever. Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. How about um, so many more people that do not do not identify as queer? Mm-hmm. On the street. Fair. <laughs> on a, yes, on, on, the, on the... What's the census? Yeah, there. And so I like them connecting and like having support systems but there is something really wonderful about being in a community of queer people it's so liberating very liberating yeah Mm. Mm. and i think we do a really great job shout out to us um kind of critiquing the non-queer community (laughs) i'm like you know what they could do things better i'm happy to do it (laughs) (laughs) 
whether they'll listen or not, I'm happy to do it. And I think that's something, that's like a part of the queer experience. Um, maybe it's not necessarily like required. If you are queer, then you must critique. But I think I that think we are able to do it. it. Like <laughs> I think people, gay people, come out of the womb and they're like, "That dress is hideous." No, I'm just oh, kidding. No. <laughs> but like, yeah, I think gay but people maybe. do feel like a lot of gay people do feel very comfortable with like their opinion, their yeah. vision of things, and are happy to call it. Out. <laughs> You're like the church is wrong. My family needs to get it together, and that dress is horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel that way sometimes for sure. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick break, I think. Okay, perfect. When we come back, there, we do want to explore, like, shame. Oh. But, you know, let's put a hard cut between that. <laughs> okay, be right back. It was interesting to chart Simon's upbringing and personal exploration alongside his past relationship experience and his view of the queer community. We are all the product of our unique experiences, and yet there's a certain something that binds us together. Figuring out what that something is for an individual, for older queers, for younger queers, that's tough. I do think that we hit on something with the way that we are perceived by the dominant culture. But one thing that we didn't explore is what will hold our community together the view of the dominant culture changes to be more accepting and inclusive over time. Something that is a literal goal of a large part of our community. Okay, we've reached the cross-promotion part of the episode. As you've heard in this conversation and in some of the others, I've got more than a few thoughts on relationships, like the one with my husband, Homeownership, like this squalorous fixer-upper. And adventures, like the skydiving video that I posted on YouTube. Now I'm putting all of those thoughts, articles, and videos together at JeromeEvans.com. Now that site is not funded through a grant from the Minnesota Department of Health, so there will be fewer reminders on there to get vaccinated for COVID-19, to ventilate your spaces, and mask, but you know, I want you to be healthy, so I might just do that for free anyway. We'll see. And you actually don't have to worry about keeping up with two websites because I'm going to centralize everything at patreon.com slash bottomlesscoffee, a site where you can follow all of the articles, podcasts, and TV show episodes for free. But there will also be exclusive paid subscriber stuff on there so we can keep the lights on around here, okay? Okay. Cross-promotion complete. Let's get back to the conversation. Okay, we're back. We've got coffee. Simon had a croissant. Yeah. If you see any crumbs, I missed some. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk like briefly about shame. I don't like to dwell on shame. It's not my favorite topic. Yeah, it's a tough it subject. Like a part of the queer experience. Mm-hmm. Um, does it have to be? It's my question. That is a really interesting question. I mean, for a lot of us, it is just kind of built into coming out. Yeah, we gotta unpack that. Gotta unpack that. So in a lot of ways, it feels unavoidable, but how you deal with that and like, do you work on it? That is very much a choice. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because I guess for some people, the shame can be enduring. Really can like like literally traumatic, so yeah. it's like very impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should just take us back up to the top of the conversation where I mentioned the National Coming Out Day speech yeah. that I gave. Mm-hmm. Um, and my speech was like, I went to a performing arts high school. You know, it was a magnet school for performing arts. So they uh, seven hundred thousand people in the county, and they bust in all of the dancers and actors and singers. Uh, to the school, to my high school. That sounds amazing. Uh, it was great. And it was like, you know, everyone's a little gay. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, like, exactly. Like, it's almost that they were straight. We were like, probably a phase. Right. <laughs> <You'll cry. laughs> You're the minority here, girl. Yeah. yeah so, sure. um, you know, one day my friend was just like, yeah, you're gay. And I was like, what do you mean? Because I literally had not been exposed to this uh, idea of gay being different. 
mm-hmm. would say. Interesting. Um, and she had like described it and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say that because I had a similar thing, but for different reasons. Because oh. like in my family, we just didn't talk about sex. Like sure. at all. Not even like, do you have like girlfriends are not a thing that we talked about. So like, I just didn't even really think about it until the hormones started going absolutely crazy. And you're like, what is happening? <laughs> you know what I mean? Did you, um... Okay, were you, did you, like, have a crazy growth spurt? You, Simon's very tall. <laughs> well, my feet have always been, like, clown size growing <laughs> okay. up, which was really fucking annoying to buy shoes. But, yeah, I was always, like, pretty tall. Okay. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so you, you didn't, like, hit puberty and then spring up three feet or no, something? No, it was pretty consistent. Okay. Yeah. But the hormones started firing. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> like, And they never stopped. <laughs> middle high school, you're just, like, the wind blows, and you're like... <laughs> Okay. Tape it down. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's ridiculous. That's a lot of high school boys experience, I think. Like, debilitating. Yeah. I'm glad you grew out of that part. Thank you. (laughs) The debilitating. You learned to live with it. I did. (laughs) Embrace it as a strength. It was a struggle, yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, then when, so when did the shame kick in for you, I guess? Ooh. You came out at 17. Was there shame... Before. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, my oh, God, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Are you kidding? Um, Just yeah. ignorant, not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, yeah, I mean, growing up in an environment like that, I always felt other, and I didn't really know why, and then you start to put the pieces together, and you're like, oh, this isn't my community. These aren't my people. Like, mm. oh, but this is what I've known my whole life, so, like, what's wrong with me? Why don't you know what's wrong with you? Yeah, why don't I why don't I want this? Why don't I like what's the deal? Okay. (laughs) That kind of thing. So and coming out to my parents in particular was pretty painful because I I thought they would have an inkling and apparently they were super surprised. (laughs) Whoops. You had you like left them clues? (laughs) I just thought it was like, hey. Yeah. But um yeah, my parents honestly just they're a different breed. You know, it just didn't really, it wasn't like a thing in their reality. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So it was a big shock to that. So they're like very Catholic. Yeah. Were they going to like church several times a week? Kinda? No, just once a week. They're pretty like, you know, reasonable in the that way. Level. Yeah. And they're interesting kind of Catholic because I think nowadays when you think about like our political climate and everything and you think religion, you think like, Everything is so divisive. And truly, my parents do vote, like, on one issue. I'll let you guess what that is. Abortion. Oh. Um, but, I was going to guess money, so. Oh, well, there you go. No. <laughs> but when it comes to just, like, general kindness and empathy, like, they really are what the Bible preaches in a lot of ways, that's which wonderful. is kind of a, like, I'm like, oh, that's surprising. You don't always see that. Um, so, yeah, and now we're at a place where it's just, like, I don't think they'll ever really get it, but that's okay. I don't need that. Yeah. If I'm happy, they're happy, and that's fabulous. But yeah, with the shame part of it, it's just like, oh my god, like so much unlearning of like. I was gonna. Yeah. yeah I was gonna next ask you like, yeah. seventeen came mm-hmm. out, didn't go well in terms of like the trauma. Right. Mm-hmm. At what point did you start like trying to resolve that trauma for yourself? Mm. I think it was like? I think it was kind of like a, a constant practice in my early like late teens, early twenties. Oh, okay. Yeah, just to like building that awareness of why I'm feeling this way and then questioning why I'm feeling that way and is that valid? Hmm. And so you re- it really just was a you know, I've been in and out of therapy, which is go. <laughs> Please. <laughs> just go to therapy, That's people. Right. You should go to therapy. Yeah. Oh. You know who you are. Um, they don't, you don't know who you are, but you should go. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is so true. But yeah, just like I'm a pretty emotionally aware person. So it's just been a, a lot of questioning of like when those feelings come up, stop. Let's think, why am I feeling this way? Yeah. And let's reframe. Did you ever see Brokeback Mountain? I did. So I am older than you. Yeah. So I got to watch it in theaters Ooh. with gay friends because we Lovely. have like a gay community. And because my experience with queerness was just been different, just straight up different, um, 
I say one in large part because of that uh, high school that I went to, but also because I'm black. Mm-hmm. And so it was never like, why am I being othered? I was like, well, it could be one of these many things. Right. It's layered. <laughs> totally. It's like, I'm just totally. keep on going with that. Yeah. Um, keep vibing. Uh, but like all of my friends were like, oh, this movie is so impactful. This movie is so real. And I was like, why? <laughs> like this movie is so sad. What do you mean? I mean, well, that's that's a whole other podcast I, episode. It's like, does gay media need to be tragedy always? Well, does black media need to be tragedy always? <laughs> Seriously, are there other stories? But, I mean, I was like, these two guys, like, live in secret, never really, like, come to terms with themselves no. in a way, and then one dies. And I'm like, oh, spoil- sorry, spoilers. If you haven't seen Broke Back Mountain, uh, spoiler, it doesn't end great. Not a happy ending. No. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't want that no. for me. No. And if you don't want that for yourself, then you really do have to resolve your trauma. You do. And live, like, your authentic self mm-hmm. for yourself. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't ever get there because they want that acceptance from... Church, family, uh, straight friends, etc. For what? Good fucking question. Good fucking question. <laughs> like for what? They don't pay your Who bills. Who fucking honey? cares? I'm sorry, <laughs> Jesus Christ. God, you gotta you gotta get that pleasure, baby. You do. Again, life is short. You do. Why deny yourself? Oh, that's interesting because we're coming at it from uh, different ways. Mm-hmm. You're you're like get that pleasure, which is absolutely valid. Yeah. And like get that stability. Get that, like, <laughs> get that sense of wholeness within yourself. And there can be both. There could absolutely <laughs> be both. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, get to stability in a couple months. Okay. Yeah. Well, but stability does not have to be, like, in, like, a particular, like, rubric. You absolutely. Know what I mean? like, absolutely. Like, a particular structure. Just, like, love, connection, all that. Like, you are literally at a place where a romantic entanglement... Um, is dissolving mm-hmm. and you're just like okay and now we're we are going to like decouple ourselves or dethruple ourselves in these ways and we're gonna go on and on with our lives yep. and like the the sticking points are pretty first world you know completely like, and they're not completely. emotional either yeah. well mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure there's emotional stuff but yeah. you got there you've got a therapist but. <laughs> exactly and it's been you know a month and some which not a long time, but no. certainly enough to process, like, the worst emotions, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's really, like, onward and upward, you know? Is this breakup, mm-hmm. has there been any shame in the breakup? That's a great question. And a little... I'm paid. I'm here for li- good questions. <laughs> That's why she makes the big bucks. <laughs> you know, maybe a little at first... Yes, because, you know, another thing I've learned about myself in the past couple of relationships is I do know what I want. I know what my values are. Yeah. And, and certainly in this last relationship, that I don't think that was necessarily heard and received. Mm. And so it became, well, maybe I can kind of bend a little bit here sure. for their goals and their wants. And I think I could actually make this work and enjoy it. But I don't think that was true. Hmm. And that combination of like not hearing it and then acquiescing a lot of things, not a great combo. Not 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 a foundation for joy and happiness. We'll say that. But so what I'm hearing thing is the part that you are unhappy with is that you compromise your authenticity yeah, for yeah. somebody else and you're like oh I shouldn't have done that I'm like that's so healthy yeah I, I and it can veer to shame very easily if you let it but sure. I've been um very trying to be very cognizant of that and really when those negative thoughts come in you just gotta find a way to reframe and yeah. like focus on yourself I think that's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a really great example of something I would love to see in media. Like, why can't we get, like, a breakup comedy with, right. with queer people? And, like, yes. just they just happen to be queer. But, like, the comedic aspects are all of the weird stuff that happens when you break right. up with someone. <laughs> right. And there are so many, I think being queer opens up, like, what kind of, 
relationship dynamics you could portray yeah. compared to straight relationships. You know, there's yeah. a, it's a, there's a, so much material out there. I agree. So much. Okay, I say let's leave shame behind. Please. Yes, we... <laughs> I'm over it. I'm over People it. need it. People I know, I know. It, but you know. Yes, yes. Uh, you, don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to live in the shame. It's not worth your time. So we're going to move on um, after this break. Okay, Simon really had no interest in talking about shame. And I pressed him on that because sometimes avoidance is a defense mechanism. And if we want to build a world without shame, then we have to confront it head on. Now, Simon did not come on here to advance a world-building agenda, so I appreciate his willingness to talk about it at all. But for those of us who are looking after the next generation, here's a question. What are you doing to make sure that your child has a shame-free coming out experience like mine was? Okay, this is a super quick, super cute story. My local bagel shop has signs that say a couple of things. One sign says that you should only refer to staff using gender neutral terms, which is only remarkable because so few places have a similar sign. The other sign says to wear a mask, which is remarkable because so few places actually ask you to wear a mask when everybody knows that it's gotta cost the shop money when the workers get sick with COVID or the flu. Like my coworker and my day job got sick and I had to cover for her one time and I'm still mad about it. And I'm probably gonna stay that way until she has to cover for me, cause that's life. Anyway, if you can avoid getting sick by wearing a mask in your local shop, then you should do that. It's nice for the workers, it's nice for the people waiting next to you. It's just a nice thing to do. And more importantly, it keeps people from having to cover for you at work if you get sick because nobody wants to do that. Okay, I guess that was less of a cute story and more of a rant. I apologize for that, but my rant is now complete. So let's just get back to the conversation. <laughs> so, leaving shame behind. Okay. We're gonna talk about something a little more uplifting, or at least, you know, in my case, I think it's a little more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just like, how are queer relationships different, right? Yeah. And there are so many ways, <laughs> so many ways. I mean, I, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about like how straight people have this like linear path for them where it's like, Marriage, kids, yeah, that's the game plan for you. Death. Death. <laughs> and I think with gay people, there's just less societal expectation of what that path needs to look like. Yeah. Because people are just like, oh, we don't even know what to do with them. Like, hmm. what? They can do that? And it's like, yep. We can do whatever we, can, we want. We can do literally whatever we want. And that's the thing. I think a lot of people don't realize, and this is so important, if you don't take anything away today, like, you are in control of yes. what a relationship and how it can function. Like what it can look like, how it can function. You are putting those parameters and those boundaries on yourself, yep. period. I think that harkens back to that classic relationship advice that's like, get right with yourself. Know what oh you want. Yes. And then the relationship will, like then the men will fall over you or the relationship will come to you if you want it. You attract the energy you put out. That's true. That is so true. So yeah, if you think that you're going to figure yourself out in a relationship, you're oh, gonna, God, no. like, <laughs> girl. <laughs> well, that's a. I, I feel know like some that's a those. big part of why those like relationships with younger people don't work out because we don't really, as queer people, we don't really start like discovering ourselves, exploring yeah. who we really are, it's like getting freedom yeah. until we're out of the house. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if you, like, if I see two 20-year-olds together, I'm not gonna, like, waste my time imagining them as two 40-year-olds together, because it's so far, in my experience, it's been unlikely. Yeah, I'm um, not getting you something off your wedding registry. Now, to be fair, though, in my basically heteronormative relationship, except that we're two men. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you guys been together? Almost 10 years. Jesus Christ. 10 years apart, too, so. A literal decade. Yeah. Yeah, my husband would have been in his 20s. 
So, like, to contradict my literal self, <laughs> it, it is it is possible. Hey, sometimes when it's right, it's right. And the kids are different these days, like you were saying. Like they are confidence. Yes. Wow. Everything. I am shocked sometimes when people come up to me in their early twenties and like, oh my god, I was not you. <laughs> My 20s are like, you are confident. You really went for that. And it's like, sometimes it takes me a second to process. But sometimes it really works. Yeah. It's nice. <laughs> it really I does. think it's really great that, like, because our queer experience has been different, even over decades, like, oh, I'm 10 years older than you. Yes. You might be 10 years older than them. And we can all, like, learn from each other. Absolutely. And if I you're open to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the traditional straight model is you always learn from the people who are older than you. Yes. Like, I feel like the world would be, frankly, a better place. Queer critique. Queer critique moment. <laughs> Old people learn from young people. Literal skeletons in Congress. <laughs> oh my God. Dying on the job? Can't be me. Diane, girl. I mean, this is fun. I could... <laughs> girl, we love you. You did a lot. Don't vote before you die. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. Go, like, <laughs> spend the end of your days on a beach somewhere, in the mountains, if that's your vibe. Absolutely. Yeah. The second I don't need to work anymore. Yes. It's over for me. Yes. It's over. It's a wrap. And you know that. You get, like, you're at a point where you get to know that about yourself. Thank God. Which is beautiful. So what kind of relationship do you think you... Yes. If you'll end up in one at yes. all. Let's talk about that. So. I mentioned the hotation yes. earlier, so yeah. expectations might not always mm -hmm. pan out, but. So I think people don't realize enough that there is so much validity just to having a connection with someone. Mm -hmm. it, it is less important what form that takes. It could be a fuck buddy that you're with for six months. You can get so much out of that. You can learn a lot from that person and take those learnings into whatever your next thing is. Um, it could be, like you said, someone who, you know, I go to movies with this person yeah. because they're so fun to do that with. Um, so I'm very interested in those kinds of things. Um, I'm not interested in, like, what it, where is this in 10 years? You know, mm. where is this in 20 years? Like, I'm, I don't live like that. I've lived like that in the past. It has really come to fuck me in the worst way possible. It just is not how I want to live, you know? Yeah, I'm yeah. the opposite. <laughs> right, isn't that so funny? <laughs> I'm like, babe, you have to get this promotion now because if you look at the spreadsheet, <laughs> yes. it yes. compounds there, it compounds. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, girl, if there's nothing in my retirement account when I die, that's fine. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say I don't put away to my 401k and my Roth. We always do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we learned budgeting out of what? Fear. Thank oh, you, that's Catholicism. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> we should, we'll have a financial literacy episode at some point. <laughs> and we need more of it because, ooh, ooh, Lord. But, yeah, so in, in my last couple of relationships, I've really, like, I just think I'm a little bit different in how I operate and what I want. Like, I have learned that living together with someone instantly changes the dynamic for me. And that's when I start to kind of dim myself and try to be more of what that person needs and yeah. not myself, which is why, why, why do that? Yeah. Um, also, I find the idea of regular sex, like expected sex with someone who you live with to be truly the least erotic thing I can think of. <laughs> okay. I, I hate it. <laughs> I'm like... It's not on your calendar. <laughs> you want me to do this at this time? And, like, get sexy thinking about that? <laughs> not, I'm that's good. not for you. It's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, that is kind of a thing, though, now that's that funny. I'm out of this relationship. I am kind of wondering, like, where do I fit in yeah. into a relationship structure? The things that I needed from a relationship, I'm currently getting... Yeah. Um, I don't, but I don't think it was intentional. But I was like very chaotic. Really? In my youth. Oh I can't. My God. I can't picture uh, it. You, well, if you go to Atlanta, you'll talk to people. <laughs> I still come up. It's been a long time. Ask the girls in Atlanta <laughs> next Pride. I'll, I'll check in. It's just like, oh my God. Interesting. Um, and so my husband is like very down to earth, like almost like stereotypical small town Midwestern. Okay. Um, and so he provides this structure within which I can be chaotic. 
that's great. It's been it's really beneficial. Yes. Um, and you know, the tension is in all the right places. So I'm like, just let me be ridiculous. <laughs> I love that. That's great. <laughs> and then sometimes he's like, okay, uh, you need to be the box for a change, Jerome. And I need to go do something. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's fair. Great. That's, that's great. fair. And it's like, it just happens to work. Uh, I don't think that if we brought in another person, that it would work for me for it's that tough. reason. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, two people is very difficult to navigate alone. You know, there's feelings, there's goals and wants. Yeah. All those things are very complicated and layered and and then you bring in a third and you know at the time when when we did that um it actually felt kind of like a relief because mm -hmm. there were certain things that I got from the third that I wasn't getting from my primary and that was wonderful and like so great and yeah. I I felt like everyone was on the same page of like he was like I don't want to do this if we're not all in it and that was very reassuring to me yeah. so you know in theory there are a lot of there are a lot of good things where there were green I, flags. exactly where I probably overlooked sure. the red ones. I mean, any relationship. Any relationship. <laughs> There's rationalizing in any relationship. Yeah. 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 But, but you learn. <laughs> and it's not, it's, it hasn't been very long mm -hmm. for you. Um, and so maybe in the future we can like explore maybe what you've learned from the relationship yeah. um, that you bring into another one or don't bring into another one. Whatever. Absolutely. That could be fun. Yeah. Probably won't buy property with someone ever again. It's a little, <laughs> a little complicated. It can be. I mean, for a lot of people, that's the only way they can get property these days. Can we talk about that? <laughs> Literally, I'm going to tell my boss this next comp adjustment. Yeah. If it's not X money higher, I literally can barely afford, like, a studio in the city. Like, that's what real. the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, husband came back with the raise of like five or six percent. I was like, babe, inflation was eight, nine percent. Yeah, so you're, yeah, this is a pay cut for you. I'm actually making less money. Yeah, yeah, unacceptable. And CEO <laughs> spreadsheet and CEO who will not be named made a couple more million this year, right? Because they need it. They need it. Um, so I don't typically get with leftist math, but. 100% agree with you on, on this <laughs> Math story. is tough. I'm like, there's an awful lot of money at the top. Yeah, profits seem to be higher than ever. Yeah. But I also didn't study math, so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what do I know? I'm in product marketing. I was so. like, I try to follow the money. And I'm like, it's all up there. Mm -hmm. Either bring it down or I need to go up. Like one of the, one of the two. Period. And we're all just trying to get ours yeah. at the end of the day. Like, we're all just trying to have enough to live how we want to live. 100%. But also, I feel like we, like in the way that queer people have a different life experience, like rich people have a totally different life experience, but like where they are just disconnected from the realities yeah. down here. Say, say that. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Ooh, we could talk about that all day. <laughs> the things, it was funny, um, not to bring in housewives to this, but... Okay. There is a uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills just premiered. So like really rich, typically white women. Um, and one of them was having their therapist explain empathy to them. Oh, really? And that was... Was that real or fake, do you think? You think it was real? So real. <laughs> so real. Watching her try to track that conversation huh. with her therapist was like, oh, God, you don't know, do you? And I think there's a lot of those types of situations with rich people where you're just like, you don't know that about how people live. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, then how would they, <laughs> but how could they, you know? That you is know fair. I mean? That is fair. You're right. That is, it is what it is. I mean, maybe, I guess it could be possible. That's true. There, it's kind of their responsibility. There are some people who are much more capable yeah. of doing that. That's fair. Yeah. No matter what the income. Absolutely. Sign up. This has been wonderful. This has been so much fun. I know. We're going to have to do it more often. I, can, I like it. Uh, I'm going to try not to take an hour and a half to set up the cameras and stuff in the future. Oh, God. I should have talked about that with shame, though, because I feel like as gay men, we were like, okay, I need that 1080p. <laughs> I need to look, what's the lighting look like? You want to talk shame. Let's talk about me and my ability to be a homemaker and, like, hang up shelves. and like. <laughs> Are you good at it? 
not hold. Can you level shelf? Okay. I have I have a lot of shame. <laughs> or I, I think I had a lot of shame about like my mechanical abilities. Now I'm just like, I don't fucking care. I can't do it. I can't change oh, no. my I can't change my oil and I don't fucking care. Okay? I used to be able to change oil. I don't know if I can do it anymore. And I don't need to. Yeah. There's someone who'll do it for me. That's true. That's fine. We have um we so we got the house rewired. And you didn't do that yourself. No, 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 no. no, no, no. But uh, oh. my husband, who's you know not bringing home the amount of money that I want him to, he brings plenty. Um, but he didn't want to pay to have a contractor close the holes in the walls. He was like, "I'll just do it myself." We are on week five. Nope. Of him having started this project. Nope. And I uh, have Task Rabbit scheduled for Monday. <laughs> I was like, "That is long enough." Very similar experience with the bathroom remodel that is still going. Oh, really? Not, and that's not to say that I would have done it any faster. But <laughs> well, like, no, because you know you're not going to do it. Because I know it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But you know what? When it's done, they're going to feel really good. They'll be like, I did it. And I'll be like, great. And that was four weeks behind schedule. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not even going to get to enjoy that new bathroom before I move out. It's fine. On the next episode of Behind the Most Coffee, <laughs> project management. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this is a blast. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to do it more often. Absolutely. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, uh, Simon, the realist Simon. That's right. And um, if you want to find me on Instagram, at the realist Simon. And if you love podcasts or you love music, you got to check out bop or flop yeah uh i run it with my dear friend aaron we just you know we imbibe a little bit we maybe do a little and then we just chat about music it's not npr <laughs> i will say that sometimes there are <laughs> npr impressions <laughs> there are impressions for sure i think you've got some tea on your podcast too oh every now and then yeah we can't help ourselves yeah <laughs> <laughs> well Thanks, everybody. Uh, BottlemessCoffeeShow.com at Jerome T. Evans. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Love and miss. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. I am genuinely interested in hearing your thoughts about everything we talked about here today. Right now, the best way to share your thoughts with us is by going to Patreon.com slash BottlemessCoffee and becoming a free or paid member of the Bottomless Coffee community. Thanks all.